Uh, welcome to High Podcasting. I'm Dad, a podcast for dads by dads about being a dad. Uh, I'm your host and soon to be first time dad, Stephen, and joining me this week for the first time is our um, first guest, but now returning as co-host, Brad. Um, and this week our guest is Brad's brother Ryan. Um, Brad, if you want to introduce Ryan. <laughs> so I've, I've known him my whole life, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Easy to say. No, I'm, I'm happy to have him on the podcast. Um, as my older brother, a lot of times he's been there to kind of offer the guidance, the wisdom as an older brother does. Uh, but for the first time in maybe my lifetime, I got to, to beat him to something, which was having a, a kid first. So yeah. we had our first kid before they had theirs, but um, now they're kind of doing the same thing just a few or two years later. Yeah. So I'm happy to have him on here. I'm happy to share my experiences and hear his and uh, get them all mashed up together on the podcast. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, you guys, um, Ryan is copying you almost down to the having children early um, aspect of it. So, because uh, your, your second kid was what, uh, what, eight weeks early, Brad? Yeah, just about. Um, and then Ryan... Than we hoped for, that's for sure. Yeah, and then Ryan, you... Uh, Originally, we're going to be on the podcast at like the end of December, and then you text me. And you're like, "Hey, how's this for dad stuff?" <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, this is your daughter or your son that was you had second. Sorry, um, my first child, my son, he's coming up on three. Mm-hmm. Um, my second child is my daughter. She was born basically nine weeks early. Yeah, so, again, very similar to Bradley's situation. And um, I get it. You just had she's, one up. She's doing great. Um, we kind of joked. Uh, they, oh, she might be here in time for Valentine's Day. Yeah. Instead, she she rolled out for uh, Christmas or Meet Santa or something like that. And I've got this thing in my head right now, like with preemies, right? They talk about their adjusted age because of the delay and things like that. It's fine. But right now, I'm just saying she's negative one week old because for a few days, just around the corner. <laughs> and then I think until we reach that milestone. Just, it's so surreal. It just does not feel right to me to say, like, oh, she's two months old. Yeah. So once that due date hits, will you then be like, oh, yeah, now she's two months old? I haven't decided yet. I, mean, <laughs> I, I think that's where I'd be to land. Mm-hmm. Um, parents, especially parents with preemies, which are surprisingly common apparently like people come out of the woodwork to tell me like oh and it's all supportive right people come to me and they're like both of my kids were preemies or my my sister or whatever and they're all it's all, all these success stories people want you you know that it's not that big a deal it'll all turn out great and that's awesome um but unless people know a little bit more about that i don't want people are like hey how's your daughter and i just launched this like diatribe about adjusted age and milestones and how probably you're fine blah 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 and so instead i'm just like uh she's great is she hitting those milestones? Where someone says, oh, I was a preemie. Yeah. Like, I don't know what to do with that information. Yeah. Like, Thanks. <laughs> cool. Glad it, glad Great. It out for you. Yeah. <laughs> Is she hitting all those milestones? There's, there's not many yet. Okay. But what they've tested for, she's doing great. Perfect. Um, Love to hear that. I think that the, the nurses and doctors we've interacted with have largely seen like they want to treat us with kid gloves to, to, to turn a phrase right um like i'll give you a perfect example um my daughter when she's moving tends to curl up just real tightly and they were mm-hmm. like oh that's totally normal very common and in fact think of like she'd be in the womb that's like her little fetal position 
Um, but at her last exam, they were like, hey, we really need to check her neck movement left and right, and her full extension of arms and legs. And parents are kind of nervous to like really put some muscle behind it and make her do that because mm-hmm. they're afraid they're going to hurt her, especially a preemie. Yeah, no um, kidding. But, but they're all like, you know, we do this day in and day out. We know exactly what we're doing. Let us push her gently into those positions. And I'm like, hey, do what you're going to do. You're, you guys you guys are the pros. Yeah, it's like whenever I get a haircut, I'm always just, they're always just like, oh, do you mind if we do this? I'm like, hey, look, like, that's, you do this every single day. I have to trust you. Do you think that that you had some hesitation kind of go away because it's your second kid? Do you feel like if that had been your first, you would have had a little bit more of that anxiety? Or is it now like, I've already had one, he's not broken, like, go for it? It's a thousand percent so much better the second time around. Every baby is different. I'll probably say that a hundred times on this, this but, um, the experience of even just one, just just knowing what's typical or what to expect, what some of the language is, um, what some of the typical milestones look like or should or can, mm-hmm. super helpful and really kept me from being a basket case throughout all this. Um, in addition, just having another kid at home kept me from getting too up in my head because there'd be times where my daughter's in the NICU really stressed out really worried kind of like sit there and be like oh well it's me what am i going to do and then my son would come up to me and hand me a train and be like hey dad let's go play and kind of brought me back down to earth and i was like hey i gotta be a parent to him and that snaps me back to reality and say hey you gotta you gotta divide your attention and your energy and, and give your best to both of them right and it looks it looks very different for each one depending on what they need but that kept me from spiraling i think in a lot of ways so <laughs> that's awesome Good job, other baby. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. I will <clears throat> probably slip up, but I'm trying not to say their actual names. It's, it's a big, big, big digital privacy thing that if I can avoid it, I'll just say my son and my daughter. Yeah, no, or that's the... fine. Perfectly fine. Uh, it's entirely up to you. Uh, every time we have a guest, I have had a guest on, it's always up to them whether or not they use the names. I also don't know your kids' names, so I won't fuck it up. <laughs> thing one and thing two, I think, is a good place uh-huh, for it. Uh-huh, uh-huh heard a story about apparently in the NICU when there's twins they really push to label them baby A and baby B and oh even if they have a name like it helps the nurses make sure that like hey we fed baby A okay sure so it's easier for them to like keep track yeah, it's just a logistics thing which I can respect yeah very funny to me like take a drink of something too yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you for real quick too um give me a power ranking maybe top five Thomas the Tank Engine characters who you got oh Nia, Rebecca, Emily's. I want Emily to be higher on this list, but she's not. Gordon's just a dick. I have a soft spot for Percy. I, I really do. He's like timid, but he, he'll get there. I can't Thomas, name a, five tank engines. <laughs> you just shot five. Thomas wasn't any of them. That, that, that's harsh. Yeah. Can I? Can I put? Can I put Terrence the tractor on as a top? He's not technically a train, but he's in the in the Sodor universe. He's in the universe of Thomas the Tank Engine. I'm gonna The Thomas the Tank Engine cinematic universe. Yeah. Um. Brad, does that mean that we ask you for like your top five Muppets or whatever? Oh gosh. Yeah, circle back to me at the end. Yeah. Um, got it. <laughs> I, that one's that one's a little too difficult to just shoot from the hip. But uh, I mean, Kermit's the goat. Yeah. For me. I'm a Gonzo guy myself, but all right. <laughs> okay, Gonzo. Yeah. Um, 
So, uh, Ryan, uh, what were some of the biggest changes to your life um, that you didn't expect to experience, like, from life prior to being a dad to post being a dad? Oh, this is embarrassing to admit. My personal hygiene has taken just an absolute nosedive. And I say that not like babies are spitting up on me and there's poop on everything because there is. But taking care of myself has been really difficult. I'll just lay this out here. My first kid came during COVID, and that that just hit us, just body blows left and right because, yeah. right? You you make no battle plan survives contact with the enemy. We made a, a birth plan. We made uh, a lot of. We tried to set up a lot of supports. We knew, right? Obviously, this baby's gonna rock our world. Mm-hmm. It's okay because we're gonna go to the baby cafe, the breastfeeding support group. We're gonna have moms visit or whatever. And then COVID just yanked the rug out from everybody. And for better or for worse, my wife and I just spent like the first two months nonstop, full bore immersion parenting. Like being dropped off in a foreign country where you don't speak the language. It's like trial by fire. But, but in two months, you're fluent, right? Mm -hmm. And I say that being like, I had a lot of trepidation over like, you know, just typical typical new parent stuff. Oh, they're so fragile. I'm going to do it wrong or whatever. That lasts about a day. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe two, because I was like, well, roll up my sleeves. I got nothing to do. I got nothing but time. I was working remote, fortunately. And so I spent so much more time with my son right out the gate than I think I ever imagined and got so much more comfortable doing the day-to-day, bottle feeding, changing, burping, bathing, uh, comforting, all that stuff right out the bat. But it came at the cost of, I mean, everything. Everybody's tired as a new parent. Um, our family situation is such that we don't have a lot of close family that can provide that kind of like really intense support. And, you know, like somebody can come by for an afternoon, that's great. We can help them for it. But it's only recently that we've had, you know, someone come stay with us for more than a day. Right. And so what that translated mm-hmm. to for me was just a lot of stress and a lot of physical, like, wearing dirty clothes on and on it you know for days on end and i'm like oh i smell terrible and that's not just because of the spit up like it's right me. i got pig pen stink lines come off me oh that's yeah. that's um, my spit up yeah. oh that's <laughs> mine <laughs> yeah um, and it, you know again all this stuff is interwoven where i was working remote so i didn't have to be presentable to go into the office and that kind of thing right um and another way another way that that manifested was I lost a ton of weight, um, something like 19 pounds in just a month, like a month or two. Mm-hmm. And there would be times where it's like, I'm so, I'm like, I'm the walking dead. I'm so tired. I'm also very hungry. My body was like, well, you can eat or you can sleep. You can pick one. And sometimes eating would perk me up. And I was like, well, I need sleep so badly. So I would just sleep and be like, well, this is what I get right now. Right. I'm very, pretty unhealthy. I, I admit that stressful, worried about the world, worried about the sun, worried about our, our, my relationship, and my wife had, we had worries that she would be dealing with postpartum depression, mm-hmm. kind of above and beyond just the typical, just based on her past, so um, that manifested in just really in physical ways. Um, I want to jump in there for a second, too, because you mentioned earlier having a baby during COVID. You, you had your kid, your first kid, after my first for my second 
However, that makes sense. When you say you had a baby during COVID, you weren't kidding. Like, I remember there was a time where you were expressing to me anxiety over maybe not even being able to be there at the birth because it was like, I have to get tested. I I'm not, might not be allowed in the room. So <clears throat> I remember that's something that my two kids kind of straddled was the first one came right before COVID and the second one came enough after that that wasn't a concern for me. And I remember that being a, a pretty contentious, maybe contentious isn't the right word, a pretty stressful moment for you of having to deal with that. Yeah, uh, you're exactly right. There was a span where it was it was up in the air whether or not uh, the father would be allowed in the delivery room. Um, we weren't allowed to have any visitors in the hospital whatsoever. So you know the the sitcom scenario of like, oh, my mother-in-law is, is in the waiting room. <laughs> Happily avoided. Yeah, done, gone, not a thing. And yeah. I forget what the official dividing line is. Like this is when the shutdowns all started, but we were then like a week of that. Nice. And so I, you were just able to get in there just got in there so i was there um and i distinctly remember one of the things that stuck out to me that first round was um they wheeled us out there's a little mural on the wall of like storks or whatever and they're like all right let's take your picture going home and i had this mask in my pocket and you know the, the nurse was like hey you know we're all supposed to be wearing masks and i was like okay i rolled my eyes like all right yeah. So this COVID thing, I'll uh, put on my mask and we'll have this funny reminder of like that two weeks where everything went crazy and we happened to catch it with our masks. Right. Not knowing, of course, you know, what, what was to come. Yeah. What people uh, would inevitably still be dealing with now. Yeah. And that's, I, I, that ended up being a, the, the ramifications and after effects of COVID hit everybody in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. That was very visceral, very real for us just in that, in that time. Yeah, it was it was a wild uh, two years, two and a half. I guess, I don't know, Tw- three years at this point. Yeah. Fortunately, uh, we're all done, right? And yeah, right. It's all it's all over. Yeah, <laughs> everything's great now. <laughs> I joke, but like I always use the benchmark of when the NBA stopped. Like that's when COVID yeah. started. Yeah. Rudy Gobert touched the microphone a couple of days after NBA stops. Like that's I kind of look back and think, oh, when we stopped playing basketball, that's when COVID started. Well, I distinctly remember it being like, um. Like, that was, like, a pivotal moment at the beginning of it. It was like, oh, hey, somebody on, like, this NBA team is sick. And I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah, cool, whatever. And then so it's like, oh, hey, the entire NBA is shut down. And I'm like, all right, cool, so I'm not doing – I'm not coming to the office for the next two years. If LeBron doesn't have to work, I don't have to work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you were – luckily – you were lucky enough to get, like, in there to be there for the birth of your child. Um uh, I asked Brad the same question before. Um, did you have that, like, initial moment of, like, you hold your kid and then, like, it's immediate, like, this is it. Like, you love this child. Like, it's, like, the immediate connection. Or was it, like, something a little bit that took time? It took so much time. Um, for the, for weeks, it just felt like this surreal alien being has been assigned to us. Mm-hmm. I was shocked that, like, oh, you let me take this thing home. You trust me to do this right? What if I do it wrong? Somebody's supposed to come check on me and give me a grade, and I want to. Right. I want somebody to come tell me that, like, give me a, a like a stern nurse to be like, that's acceptable. And Did then you... it was, you know, <laughs> um, it was largely hands off, and they're like, look, you know, I've heard it said, or I've said it that um, parenting, at least a baby, it's not complicated. It's not easy, but it's not complicated. Right? There's only so many inputs. There's only so many outputs, and barring some sort of undiagnosed cleft palate or lip tie or something like that it's not too bad 
in terms of the complexity, but especially when you're sleep deprived, especially when you're stressed out, so it can, it can layer on the complexity pretty quickly. Yeah, being as you had your baby like in like as as COVID was kicking off, did you guys? Um, I'm assuming you guys were still like required to do those like follow up appointments like week after week after week, or was it like? you guys virtually doing this like on a zoom call with a doctor and it's like hey so i need you to take the baby and measure its leg <laughs> yeah it's like this is it it's still alive it's gonna be a box in the mail it's gonna be yeah. all the, the measuring equipment you need yeah <laughs> it's, it's a spinoff of Colaguard. um <laughs> we we kept all of our regular appointments with an in-person doctor uh, our pediatrician and one of the ways we looked at it was Right. Every family has to accept a certain bucket of risk, um, whether that's for some people, they were just completely hunkered down and never left. For some people, they treated it just like nothing was different. And each of those activities carries with it some element of risk. Um, we decided pretty early on that an in-person doctor was an acceptable avenue of risk that added to our overall profile of risk. I know I said a bunch of times, but... Um, but to have a doctor be there in the room and be able to see him, hold him, touch him, feel him, and, and get that per- was was worth whatever. And the doctor's office did a good job of kind of staggering patients and waiting in our car until they paid to us in and stuff like that. So they they made accommodations to try to make it better. Yeah. And that of, of all the things to worry about wasn't too bad for us. Um, the bigger issue was my wife's a school teacher. Yeah, my wife is also a teacher. So yeah. There you go. Real men are yep. teachers. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, Brad. Like, sorry, you're not done by me, I guess. Um, yeah, Brad, you can go. Bird, come in. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Uh, overall, risk-wise, I mean, that's that's like a living petri dish coming home every single day. So that, yeah. unfortunately, that, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> it, it came to us eventually, but that was part of the evaluation for us. Did you treat those doctor visits as? parenting feedback you mentioned earlier too you know you want a, a nurse to come by and give you a pat on the shoulder and say you're, you're doing a good job i think those initial doctor visits are almost as much for the parents as they are for the kids just to hear a doctor walk in the room and put their stethoscope on their their shoulders and be like it's fine you're doing fine there's yeah. nothing that's particularly concerning you know maybe we have this this or this as an item but you're fine go home kids not missing any limbs they're fine right i counted 10 fingers we're good i have two thoughts on that um we got a handout at the end of each visit that was like things that you should be considering. And I considered the handouts we got so laughably simple and um, inadequate. It was like, it was like they had gone onto the American Pediatrics Association website and hit print of like what to talk about at a two month, two month checkup. And I think that's what it was. And the, the bullet points would be like, you know, um, don't scald your baby with super hot water. Mm-hmm. Need to, the formula needs to be made with like room temperature and then I would come to the doctor with really specific questions of like I was really big into what to expect the book yeah. um, which is a series they have follow on and I try to treat that as like hey here's the stuff you should be considering not necessarily gospel not every baby's going to follow it exactly but I use that as a discussion point so I would I'd be like you know this book is giving the ideas that at this stage we should be looking at left-right coordination, um, but really only with colored objects as, as opposed to black and white or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the doctor would be like, well, the handout says don't use scalding water. So if you're doing that, you're a... Yeah. 
As long as you're not like cook, like putting your baby in the same water that you're cooking your lobster in, you're fine. Yeah. 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 And then the other one was, um, I, I really hang my hat on this. My wife and I kind of balance each other out where certain things she'd be really cautious about and I would be less conscious. Mm-hmm. And then for other things we'd kind of flip. And when it came to the doctor specifically, um, I think there's a stereotype or there's it happens a lot for new parents that they, you know, a single sniffle and they rush into the ER and the doctor's like, chill, mm-hmm. you're fine. We didn't really have any of those, but the handful of times that we did decide it was serious, whether that, you know, we we talked about it, we looked up the symptoms on WebMD, we looked at our books, we talked to our parent friends and decided, decided like, hey, having looked at the whole picture, this is where the doctor visit. The handful of times that happened, the doctor did say, yes, this is worth I, I think this is a good thing that you brought your baby in, and I kind of look over my wife and be like, "Yeah, we got that right. We didn't know, we didn't panic, we didn't overcompensate. Right. We also didn't be like, uh, un- you didn't under- drop the ball, right? Yeah, we didn't drop the ball. It's a good way to put it. So the doctors visits were very reassuring, but for for more significant reasons than just any pat on the back, you you did this. It's it's still nice to get that like attaboy from like the doctor but it's like well don't boil your baby you're good yeah and if anything it was the nurses to be honest the nurses know what's up yeah the doctor just he's the glory boy he walks in and is like yep he walks in catches it hands it to you and walks out like that's that's their whole shtick let's be honest mm-hmm. yeah <clears throat> um so it took you a bit of time to like feel that direct connection with your um with your first child did you have that same experience with your second uh, i did and i am um it, it, it's it's a little embarrassing to admit that i don't i don't love the way it sounds but not at all no it, like it's what we're here for and maybe more so with guys mm-hmm. um, i definitely have heard people talk about or, or the theory right that they're like a woman throws the baby inside of her and that's when you can feel the kicking and it's very visceral and very real every moment of every day versus like, you know, uh, wife takes care of, you have morning sickness, you, there's nothing you can do except hold her hair back, you go off to work, you come back, and then maybe at the end of the day, you try to feel the baby kicking and it does. it's not tonight. It's just kind of not, not real. And even when you're holding it, yeah. holding your baby, it, um, mm-hmm. I think it's easier for me to be like, okay, yeah, once once there's more of a personality, whether that's a smile, a well-timed fart, or just you know, some sort of interaction, <laughs> it becomes a little bit more real. But I'm okay with that because I know intellectually, right, my job right now is to mm-hmm. just care for you and, and trust that it'll come with time. And at the end of the day, I've got my other kid that I can hang on. Yeah, like it's cool right now. Yeah. 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 Um... No, uh, don't feel uh, embarrassed to, like, say anything whatsoever, because, like, I've, the main goal of the podcast is, like, to create a safe space for dads to, like, say those things that they don't always get to say with other people. Like, they can't express these things to their wives who, like, have these immediate connections because they have grown these children and their, like, wombs, like, shout out to moms for, like, nine months, sometimes longer, sometimes a little bit shorter, depending on how persistent the child is. But, like, yeah, no, we, like all about supporting dads here so appreciate that um yeah that's 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 kind of how i feel and it's it's weird to say it but that's 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 the nature of it 
It definitely feels like having a terrible roommate just for at least a couple months. Like, they don't do any dishes. Yeah. They're not, like, weird. I don't really have a good connection with them. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not sure if they have a job. Yeah. They haven't given me rent money. I'm not... <laughs> but, you know, they get along with my dog, so... Yeah, and they right. Passed it back. Yeah. What can you do? Yeah. Um, so, uh, those... Like, we've had a couple, like heavy moments here but what's one of the things that you like enjoy most about being a dad um being an uncle yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah no Um, i get that that's awesome like that said our kids are lined up really well like staggered one two three four Mm -hmm. being a dad encompasses you know the whole almost the whole spectrum of ups and downs and ins and outs the good the bad the ugly being an uncle is just straight up awesome and it's all the good parts and none of the bad parts Pretty much, um, and I say that just the way our family shakes out. Like we didn't really do aunts and uncles as kids, and then only re- only recently is that us now. And it's like it's unlocked this whole another dimension for me of like, oh, I get to use all this experience and hard fought, hard-earned knowledge about raising a kid, but I just get to apply it in such a cool way where I'm like, oh, I I worked out. All- it's like it's like being a, uh, an open mic comedian. I tested all this material already, and I, I know what's going to sell, what's going to play to the audience. So I get to roll up to Bradley's house and be like, oh, hand me your kids. I got some cool stuff. Yeah. You've rounded out your tight five. You got it. <laughs> tight five. Let's go. Yep. Yeah. Um, so uh, rolling into that, that actually sparked a, another question that I just added to the Google Doc that I will use um, going forward. Uh, do you feel that your dad responsibilities extend outside of, like, your two kids? question um if i'm i'm not sure if i'm interpreting this right but i think yes because i'll give you my example it's like when i'm at the supermarket and i see little kids run around i always try to look at them and like be friendly to them right smile and wave and like if appropriate you know like get down on their level and be like oh is this what you're trying to get to and make eye contact with parents be like i see you i know Mm -hmm. that's difficult if i can keep them from doing something dangerous for you and kind of block that i will if i can make a silly face when they're upset and make your day easier i will so in that sense yeah like even though yes. I, these are strangers to me yeah um, no 100 percent. that's exactly what i was asking yeah it's open my eyes and then yeah like just be cool um, as there's overstepping but yeah well what are they gonna do fight you in the parking lot it's fine so I'll say to Ryan's credit, and I'm a little bit like this as well, I think we both grew up the kind of people that if a little kid runs up to you with a play sword and jams it into your side, you're going to pretend that you just yeah, got you, stabbed and yeah, you died. heel on the ground yeah. and die. Uh, might be a little traumatic, you know. For the kid, yeah, but, kid, but stupid games, stupid prizes, stuff. that's what they get, yeah. But on the flip side, I mean, what a what a bad shake for dads, right, that it's kind of stigmatized at the same time of, like, interacting with children that aren't yours. Is immediately seen as weird. Is immediately seen as weird. So yeah, um, I, I get that completely. The same thing. I, I try and wave, you know, when I'm picking up my kids at daycare, and a little kid runs up and he's like, "Hi!" I try and get down to their level and say hi and ask them about their day. But at the same time, show too much in, you know, interest, interest in that. And it's, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, so you're one question away from asking from them asking if you have candy, and that's not okay. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. No. Uh, it's. That's pretty much exactly what I was asking. Like, um, like obviously you don't want to like parent somebody else's kids, but like, 
if you can stop a kid from learning a hard lesson like there are some hard lessons but like if you see a kid kid reaching for a stove you're gonna be like hey don't touch that (laughs) maybe not i I think that touches too on like not not to take this into a weird area but you you run into other parents whose parenting style you appreciate you might not be that's not my parenting style but i respect it enough that hey there's kind of a mutual understanding of we're, we're gonna police each other's kids at least that's that's what i've had running into a couple other parents obviously my brother included if we're all in mm-hmm. the same room um i don't i don't think we've had to explicitly say like hey you're allowed to tell my kid what he or she is not allowed to do right, right. if they're wandering toward a staircase and they're about to fall over i trust my own my own brother to say something yeah uh, or at least film it if it's going to be hilarious but right and so I think there's always people you're going to have that natural mutual feeling with. And then mm-hmm. there's people you're going to build that mutual feeling with as you get to know them as parents. You know, I think, I think that's kind of a cool part about being a parent is meeting other parents and finding out just like make friends, right? Who's got the same style? Who's going to work with me? Right. Who's willing to, um, you know, stay up with me whenever I get home from work and uh, eat duck and drink bad wine and watch Kung Fu movies. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, so <laughs> there, uh, in the first episode, Brad gave a very, uh, unique answer to this next question. And, uh, I, I really, I want to know where the overlap is here, um, and your guys' experiences with your, uh, parents. Um, but what traditions did your parents pass on to you, um, that you will pass on to your children? Oh gosh. Okay. Well, I specifically avoided, uh, priming myself by listening to his episode yeah so that so that i promise this whatever answer i do give um, is genuine genuine got it um are you talking about like holiday traditions just traditions in general it does not matter if it's holiday or not um a wholesome example we we ate dinner as a family pretty pretty consistently um and i, I don't mean this like a Norman rockwell painting but like we spent a lot of time at the dinner table talking we did kind of like um, a lot of nights it was either the best part of your day, the worst part of your day. Mm-hmm. Like, we could kind of get the vibe of how people were doing and either break it down and maybe offer some solutions or celebrate each other's wins. We did a couple of weird, um, like little card games. It's like um, like almost like would you rather kid-friendly, of course, uh, questions where mom and dad would be like, you know, here's you get three foods. Which one's the, the, the funniest? Why? Yeah, that kind of stuff. And I credit stuff like that to really developing um, just the fact that I get along with my siblings and we have a good sense of humor and we can talk to each other and mm-hmm. always felt like we built each other up. We, don't, we didn't always like the same things, but I always felt like if one of us had an interest, everyone backed that up. It was like, yes, you like this team. We all love this team. The other team sucks. Go, yeah. whatever. Or if, you, if you're in a play, we all go to it. We bring you flowers and you know, we're there on opening night. No matter if I don't, not interested in it. it was just what you do that was the expectation so wholesome some wholesome family stuff and then there's like silly stuff um when my dad did laundry with us the reward at the end was we got to ball up the socks and throw it at each other in a sock war <laughs> um, so we'll probably do my my son likes to help with laundry he's really bad at it but he likes it so we get some sock war going on mm. I don't remember the sock one. That's that's interesting. 
Did it, like, um, when he like, said it, did it trigger a memory for you? It, it didn't. I have no recollection of the sock. Oh, none whatsoever. I guess you threw a sock a little too hard and hit that part yeah. of Brad's head. Why can't I remember the years 1994 to 1996? But, <laughs> um, how about the change game? Oh, okay, so we had some road trip stuff in particular. That's a good one. Um, change game. Uh, basically, my dad was, like, a coin collector with his job. He, he did cash registration. Yeah. Cash register and mm-hmm. was able to really easily swap out look for coins and stuff. And he had a big, like a three foot tall swap coat out coke bottle <laughs> piggy bank before a, a road trip or whatever. He, mm-hmm. Or what felt like a thousand dollars into a gallon freezer bag. Right. After an hour in the car, we're all at each other's throats. Be the goo gang. We're gonna start with pennies. I'm gonna count out the pennies, and if anybody can guess it spot on, you win that number of pennies. Right. Low stakes. Nobody right. would get close and be like, okay, I'm going to start narrowing it down. It's, it's a number between 100 and 200, whatever. And then after each successive road stop, you know, pit stop, whatever, he we ratchet up until you start getting the, as a kid, quarters are big money. Yeah. Right? And you'd say, I've got between 10 and 20 quarters. You get one guess, and if you mail it, boom, that's yours. Yeah. It made me feel like Scrooge McDuck. I mean, damn. Yeah. 20 quarters for a kid? 20, 20 quarters for an adult man is it's good money. That's a good chunk of change. That's a hard day's work. That's a full sock that you can hit somebody with. And, then, um, and, I, and I, I think some of that was less some grand scheme, like traditions handed down from generations and more just like necessities, mothers and necessities and invention because he also did one where he'd take like the little fuses the little colored fuses from the glove compartment of the spares oh my gosh you're right he put you know he'd shake them up my dad would shake them up in his hand and be like okay guess the color and that's worth a dollar or stuff like that so Mm -hmm. as kids we thought it was great but you know looking back it's not super complex stuff no it's like super easy stuff to keep a bunch of you know kids entertained on a four to six hour road trip <laughs> it's literally what's in the glove box yeah, yeah i don't i don't know about your guys' family but uh as a kid we would we never flew anywhere in my family it was always like oh we're going to um north carolina that's 10 hours we're driving 10 hours listening to christmas music and driving down these like sometimes like dead-end roads so like turn around and have to like f- drive halfway off the road to get back because somebody else is doing the same thing take those Sharonville lights uh, memories and preserve them in amber because i think they're they're done with that drive through display by the way that's fine uh we'll just go to coney island from now on <laughs> that instinct never leaves by the way because i we're moving soon and we've been eyeing some of the neighborhoods around where we're moving thinking oh that'd be a good place to drive around for christmas mm-hmm. they're gonna have good lights like we can yeah. we can drive around that so i yeah. like that, that that stayed with me at least we uh we now have to like outsource our driving because like we've been in our house now for two Christmases and I think we're the only people who decorated like our house with lights and I'm like hundred percent yeah uh no the um particular I don't know if it was tradition but memory um that Brad brought up was the term dishwasher jizz um Yeah. No, it wasn't weird as a kid, but it's one of those things that, like, as a child, innocent connotation. As an adult, you're like, hey, man, that's fucking gross. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty fucked up. Yeah. I heard that one. Yeah. <clears throat> or 
before that moment when you look around like, wait, you guys also don't call it that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. I'm the only one? You guys are getting paid? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I don't know why that's the first tradition that came to my mind. I think yeah, maybe was... the question was phrased a little differently when I was recording my episode, so I want to say that there was a little bit of erasure on that one, but um, no, I, I distinctly remember driving around Christmas lights, listening to that tape, um, checking out some of the neighborhoods. Yeah, it's a, I'm, I'm impressed that you have such wholesome examples of holiday traditions. What's one of the more like difficult moments you've had as like being a father and like what was like the thing that made it the most difficult small scale i wash my hands so much so much before and after everything that the skin on my hands in the winter time is just ruined so mm. it's like um and that's like you know such a such a minor concern not such a minor complaint but um that's that's the first thing that just comes to my mind just because i'm like moisturizing like never before um, first thought, best thought. Go ahead. <laughs> one of the one of the hardest things right so my second child my daughter was born so early and um my wife had preeclampsia and health syndrome and that's kind of what drove all that she went from kind of 60 to zero in just a span of a day mm-hmm. <clears throat> and <sighs> we had no real indication that anything was wrong. She had had a checkup just a few days prior and everything looked great. Um, and she complained of just a few small symptoms. And she's like, uh, a little bit of a headache. I'm kind of swollen. And both me and her and the doctor were like, oh, you're on the third trimester. It's kind of with the territory. Yeah. Um, she's super stubborn. She probably would have been teaching, you know, our water would have broken during a spelling test. And she'd be like, oh, I've got three more words. <laughs> um, but fortunately, serendipitously, um, she had just gotten on the winter break, and I said, you know, it's right before Christmas. Why don't you just go in and see your doctor just in case? Get some peace of mind. He's going to tell you, drink some water, elevate your feet, get some rest, and it'll be no big deal. And boom, like 12 hours later, we had a baby. Um, you're in the hospital, and there's just a series of doctors coming in and telling us. I think they knew pretty early what the end game was, but they didn't want to spook us. So they would tell mm-hmm. us, like, you know, the next three weeks are, are the goal. And then the next doctor would be like, did you understand what they said? Because I think 72 hours is more realistic. And the next doctor would be like, we're just trying to get through today. And the next doctor would be like, sign this consent form for an emergency C-section. Mm-hmm. It just developed really, really quickly. And I had to t- kind of toggle between listening to what the doctors were saying, taking notes, and, and helping my wife comprehend it. Because she's on a lot of meds. They were trying to bring her sky-high blood pressure down. But also blast out some updates to my family and hers. Um, and then the surgery happened really quickly and we faced this, this really unpleasant situation of basically they came like, Hey, do you, who do you want to go see your daughter or your wife? Um, and that just wrecked me. That was between the, the absolute loneliness of them wheeling her away. It probably only took 20 minutes, but it felt like a hundred years. Right. And it just felt like a, like a movie scene where like they rushed her out on the gurney and then, like, the room went from nervous energy and worry and action with people, multiple people in it, to just, the, I was the only one in it, in the back of the room, and, like, the little privacy curtain was still, like, slowly billowing, and there's a bunch of, like, discarded gloves and, like, plastic wrappers on the floor from, like, all the different 
medical equipment and stuff like that. Right. I just sat there all by myself uh, for a good spell before finally because somebody came to come get me. And I can, obviously, I can deal. They, right? they need to focus on, on my life. But that was definitely one of the hardest moments uh, just overall, just the agonizing wait and then having to pick. Um, and they didn't, they didn't let me see my wife right away just because she was in uh, they call it SICU, Surgery Intensive Care Unit. Right. And I'm like, she's sedated. She can't. And I'm like, I don't care what state she is in. I need to go see her. I need and to make sure she's okay. Yeah, I just, I need to hold her hand and mm-hmm. kiss her forehead and tell her what an amazing job she did. Until that point, I was still wound up. I'm like, I was so exhausted and so worn out, but I could not rest. I could, like, shoulders were tense until I could finally see her. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, everyone's alive. Everyone's doing well enough all things considering mm-hmm. that's when i finally got to just lay down and i think i crashed on a couch for a few hours yeah figuring everything else but that was that was probably the worst most difficult time between both of my kids and that happened oh, like two months ago yeah so in the um biopic of like uh your daughter's life that they eventually make because she's going to go on to do great things it's going to be like that scene where you're standing in the hospital room and all the lights go out and it's just like that one singular light on top of you um and the doctor walks in slowly and it's like who do you want to see yeah i get it lin-manuel's gonna make an excellent uh, song out of it yeah Yeah, exactly yeah (laughs) is lin-manuel gonna like play you in this i mean i'd be flattered yes yeah exactly we're on a podcast we can probably get to like talk to the McElroys who also know Lin-Manuel and we'll, we'll get it to work. It's all right. We'll figure it out. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I, all right. Um, all right. So when, uh, now we're going to transition to a little bit of a different, uh, aspect of the podcast where, uh, I'm basically it's like the advice portion. Um, okay. so when it comes to raising a kid, uh, what's the best resu- advice you've ever received? Practical advice or, or doesn't matter. Yes. Advice. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. The practical advice actually comes from the dude on my screen right now. Bradley mm-hmm. told me I, I would ask him like, "Hey, how many blankets did you buy? How many onesies? How many packages of diapers?" And he's like, mm, "You're going about this all wrong. Really, babies only need a handful of things. Every additional one that you buy." is really an exercise in what price are you willing to put on convenience. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely had this like spreadsheet mentality of like, oh, you know, as long as I can figure out X number of Ys, we'll be golden. And it's like, no, that's that's putting too neat a bow on it. It really is a question of like, you know, having one car seat is the minimum, but if I put one in each car, then I never have to take them apart and re. Yep. re- set them through and it's and that saves my back it saves my fingers it saves my sanity mm-hmm. and fortunately we're in a space where we could afford to have another one or i can leave one like a drop off and that sort of thing so so in terms of just pure logistics don't don't not so much to focus on the right number of whatevers it's about what you can afford from an economics perspective to make your life easier yeah um that's kind of the, the practical side from a more philosophical bent. Um, I think it's really helpful to appreciate the fact that your kids are not going to be a carbon copy of you, no matter how much you want or don't want. There's probably going to be stuff that they're going to pick up and you're like, wow, 
there's no escaping this mirror because the thing that I'm doing right now is, is you are picking that up and I, I didn't even realize I was doing it. Mm-hmm. And there's other stuff where I'm like, if I had one wish in this world, it would be for you to love my, the same blank. Right. And they're, you know, they're going to be Steelers fans when, you know, you're diehard. No child of mine. No child of mine. <laughs> right. Inevitably. So mm-hmm. I try, you know, I try to teach, take, take that one step at a time and just be like, Hey, I'm presenting some constant, you know, I'm presenting some toys to you. I'm a big airplanes guy, I'm a big Star Wars nerd or whatever. And I'll be like, Hey, I'll show you some stuff. And if you like it, great. If not, that's okay too. Mm-hmm. You'll find your own thing. And if we can just find some common ground, I'll, I'll live with that. Got it. Um, I also say that my son's two and a half. He, he goes through IP like you wouldn't believe. Um, yeah. So everything's, I'm, it's always a new thing. Yeah. Rapid cycles. So yeah. I'm hoping that when he's a little, I'm really excited for him to get kind of older so that we can develop a little bit more. Figure out his first like hyper fixation. Yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, you're gonna be a nerd. Cool. I can yeah. Work with you. Cool. So let's let's really dig into this. Great. I don't have to learn a new sport. Awesome. Yes. What's your brand of nerd? Are you like a tabletop guy? Are you like a larper? Yeah. Like what? What do we got here? Yeah. Whatever that is, I will nurture it. Yeah, as long as it's not a My Little Pony thing, it's fine. <laughs> if I need to make you a plate carrier out of old Mountain Dew um, cardboard boxes mm. for your, you know, your bag full of tennis balls, lightning bolt, lightning bolt, lightning bolt. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, is there a piece of advice that you wish you had known sooner? I'm, I'm trying to think of something profound. I really am, but like... It doesn't have to be. It could just be like, oh, remember to apply the diaper cream. <laughs> I'm in the soup right now, and one of the things that came back to me... So, hard-earned knowledge from my firstborn, it's coming back to me on my second. And one of the ones that I really love is like... It wasn't made. We did baby classes the first time. Mm-hmm. Big, big fan of that. If you can get it when there's not COVID, um, little babies when they're hungry, they ball up their fists. They get the little Arthur Means fist, and then <laughs> as they eat, it relaxes. And it's such a, it's such a, a straightforward indicator of how full they are. Mm-hmm. That, like, you know, it has nothing to do with burping or volume or whatever. I'm like, I just watch her, her little hands, and as they relax, I'm like, got it. Got it. Cut the Nailed check, it. Wrap it. Yeah. So, um, I, I don't think that was it. Nobody told us that the first time around, or they didn't right away. And I was like, that's so, that's so good. That's so easy. Let's do that. Right. Um, no, that's good. Uh, I, I had, that's a, the first time I've heard anything like indicating like, oh yeah, you're like, there are signs that your kid will give you whenever they are like not hungry anymore. And it's not just crying. Like, yep. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's good. Um, yeah, go for it. Yes, go for it. Yes. Another piece of advice. Um, so now that we have two, Mm -hmm. a couple of parents have reached out to us and said like, Hey, um, something we've learned is that first kid usually gets really jealous of the second and it can manifest in a lot of different ways. And one thing that was communicated to me that you can try to combat that is to really hype up the first kid. And the best way that I know how or that I've heard is that if someone comes to visit in particular or you, you're visiting someone, have them go to that kid one first and just be just gush and be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so, so excited to see you. You're so big. You're so cool. You're the older sibling. You must know how the world works or whatever. And just fixate on that kid right. for at least you know 10 minutes. And then when they've like 
and crested and kind of come down and like go to go to the chest. Like that's when you go visit the new baby, and all the adults in the room understand. Like okay, you're here to see the new kid. I get it. Everybody and knows it's an unspoken thing. Yeah, 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 but just that really emphasis of like just play the game. Just let, yeah. let the kid think that you know because it, it helps stave off that feeling of like I can, sorry sorry kid too I can't play with you. Right. Well, I can't play with you because kid too. That that sort of thing. So right. Not not new parent advice. I'm in the, I'm in the second kid, but it, no, it still applies. Kid psychology. Right. It's th- I hope that this podcast is listened to by more than just first time dads. So if it's second, third, fourth time dads, like this stuff, the shit still works. Like paint still paints, man. Right, I'm curious on your perspective too. Now that you have two, right? My mm-hmm. oldest is my daughter, and I think a lot of times, women, right, especially young women, are kind of looked at to be caregivers, right? Uh, they're looked at as you're supposed to mature into a role of being a caregiver, and I try to really take a look at what I teach my daughter to make sure she doesn't have as as much as I can that that pressure on her of you're a third parent to our, you know, our second kid. You're the extra set of hands to help out. Like, no, you're allowed to be your own person. Your job isn't to take care of your little brother. Uh, while we always appreciate when she does, it's super sweet. It, it melts my heart when she wants to be a good big sister. Where do you, um, where do you think you're going to draw the line between your oldest kind of stepping in to help raise your youngest? And when are you going to step in to say, hey, no, you're, you're your own kid. You don't need to be a parent right now. You need to be a kid. We'll hey, take care of the parenting of their, our youngest. Um, it, so in my case, it's older son, younger daughter. Mm-hmm. If he shows an interest, hundred percent, I'll let him, I'll let him drive that. But to me right now for us, that falls under the broader bucket of treating him like a small adult in general. And so I say, Hey, when it's safe to do so, you can unload the dishwasher, you get the spoons, I'll get the knives. When it's safe to do so, you can help me put stuff in the dryer. And in that same fashion, I'm like, I'm trying to find kid-appropriate activities for you to help me take care of your sister. And for him, that's, hey, she had a blowout. Can you run to the, the drawer that we keep low on purpose and go get me a new onesie? And for the most part, he's excited to help, and he's super sweet. And, like, we got him a little doll, and it what and I attribute to be pretty neutral about it. I'm not like... You have to play with it because I'm breaking gender stereotypes, but I'm also not like you can't play with it because I'm enforcing gender stereotypes. I kind of like was it was more like a a practicality thing of like, hey, there's gonna be a squishy thing, and I need to know that you'll be cool. Yeah. So here's a doll, and I'm gonna watch you interact with it, and if you're gentle with it, that's one one step of me being more comfortable being around your baby sister. Right. If you toss it from the neck like a rag doll i'll be like okay we've got some work to do yeah. okay there's therapy that's needed yeah yeah <laughs> so, let's talk about that yeah shooting right down the middle here um it, it's just one of many adult family responsibilities that i consider part of part of his his world where i'm trying to introduce these things but i'm not beholden to i'm like i'm not like i can't do this without you kid and if he he usually gives me one solid like oh, cool, I'm interested. And then he's like, oh, now I'm going to go back to treats. I'm like, all right, yeah. well, we got one. Yeah, that's it. One is enough sometimes. And it's just, I, it's, I'm playing a long game, right? Laying the foundation. Right. Uh, 
as an older sibling, do you feel that you were kind of pushed into that role of like helping raise your younger siblings? Not at all. No. Not at all. So my, my parents did a great job of being parents, and then we interacted as as kids. And mm-hmm. kids. now, I, older sis may have a different opinion on this, but yeah. I never felt like I had to raise Bradley in any way, shape, or form. Right. If anything, I for a spell it was like ah, oh, this kid's super annoying and he, he likes all my things and i wanted him to do a different thing like it was annoying he was my annoying little brother for a while and then fortunately he got, got cool later in life that we're, we're, we're very similar <laughs> yeah. cool ways, so that's, that's been awesome um and i'm not just kissing ass because he's right in front of us yeah uh, at what point did he get cool Watch. Yeah. (laughs) Because uh, the entire time that I've known Brad since fourth grade band, he's been very much the same person. Um, Like he's he's like grown like become more like I don't know. He's always been a very accepting individual of like other people, of other ways of thinking. Um, So I don't know, Ryan. Maybe you're just the jerk here. Let's. I don't know. When we were kids, I mean, little kids. Right. When we were like, when I was like eight or nine, I was like, oh, that was really like, oh, he's so annoying, blah, 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 blah. But then as right. we got to teenagers, we would spend like summer break together and we'd play Legos and watch movies and play video games and stuff like that. And right. There was still some friction, but I was like, okay, he's my bro. We have a lot of things in common and it was nice having player two kind of thing. Yeah. But there's, you know, you kind of point that out. Um, our personalities are you tend to be a little bit more meticulous a little bit more organized growing up i remember your room everything had a place everything had its place right uh, me i was a little bit more messy a little bit more disorganized and that's okay i think our parents did a good job of understanding the two different personalities uh, you know of those two different children and had to play to that at certain times to say hey you need to respectful the fact be respectful the fact that He's got an organization system. You need to respect that. Right. Or, hey, right now, he's kind of just doing his own thing. You need to let him do his own thing. So I think our parents did a good job of kind of figuring out how we're different people and how there are going to be times that we can put those two people in a room together and make it work. But there's also times that we need to have them separate to let them grow and mature as their own people. We had, we had separate bedrooms as kids. I know not every family can do that, and some choose mm-hmm. not to do that. But right. We all had privacy. We had our own bedroom. Man, we we were sounding like a really well-adjusted family growing up. Right. This is awesome. Yeah. Um. I'm I'm noticing that, and um. I, pr- I promise there are warts, but I was gonna say about. knowing like knowing your dad and knowing Brad, <laughs> um, how you turned out so well-adjusted is a mystery to me. Because <laughs> Brad is like Ryan. You seem very much like the long-range sniper of the family, whereas like Brad is like. Okay, yeah, I'm like the like trench gun guy, but like Tom is like, all right, I'm gonna take this AK-47 into this room, and it doesn't matter what I hit. Yep. <laughs> you got a pretty good read on things. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good to have somebody with the finer details intact. <clears throat> uh, was there a piece of advice that like somebody gave you, and then like it just turned out to be like? complete bullshit did not be was not needed whatsoever um, feel free to name names just absolutely put people under the yeah, bus yeah name Every drops name drops some just, bitches i mean just right under the bus yeah there are pieces of um 
equipment infrastructure that I think are politely not worthwhile. Um, a lot of it's like, like I, I think parents, and it, I think it comes from a good place, but parents can get a lot of stuff. It's mm-hmm. overkill, or at the very least, I encourage new parents, like, hey, start small. You can always work up to this, right? And see right. if your baby will take unwarmed wipes. And then if they just pitch a bitch and can't deal, then get the white water. But you don't have to start off with that. And that's as much, you know, big baby pushing their their wares on everybody as anything. Um, right. So some big of that advice came from, yeah. um, just like, oh, you got to have all this stuff. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh. I don't know if we need that right away. We have an entire extra bedroom in our house that is just filled with baby stuff right now. And it, it's not stuff that we've bought, but it's stuff that, like, people have gifted us. And I'm just like, I can tell you right now, I'm never going to use that thing. And it, it says here we need to throw to ads. Today's podcast is brought to you by Amazon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Prime today to get um, And then there are, there are parenting concepts that I that we have not implemented, such as co-sleeping. Yeah, um, go ahead. What's the 7175 of baby advice? Um, and it's just like, you know, people people need to do what's right for their family. Right. Um, and for better forces, so I'll, I'll bring this to a dad-focused um, perspective, right? Women have so much extra pressure on creating the perfect family and the perfect sleep schedule and the perfect feeding uh, regimen. And I'm like, look, that is best, right? Um, fed is best the man that's i guess that's just a garwood staple at this point um my wife's a superwoman and she's she's shout out to moms shout out to moms couldn't do it without them uh but you know i i tried really hard to never put any pressure on her and say like look if you want to try this i'm fully supportive i'll do all the stuff that i can do whether that's bath time reading cleaning bottle parts getting you wholesome snacks and bringing you water and encouraging you right but obviously there's there's biological pieces of that i cannot right um but i, I try to never put any pressure on her i'm just like look if this doesn't work out we'll find another way but don't feel like i'm i'm telling you what you have to do she gets enough of that from society from other moms yeah 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 um so i, I would say in terms of advice that i think is not useful or that it, it's, it comes down to like concepts that I don't think every co-sleeping is not for us mm-hmm. um, breastfeeding just becomes this big like, tribal battleground and I'm just like guys it doesn't have to be like this it doesn't so, like it's one of those things that like my wife and I we like plan to try but like if it doesn't work out there are other options and that's I think that's a really healthy attitude of like this is our goal, and this is what we want. But um, I've met some people, some older folks, that when they hear that, like it sounds to them, it's like hedging your bets or, or cagey. Yeah. I'm like, no, it's. I think I think it comes from a place of realism of like, mm-hmm. yeah, we'd like to do this, yeah. but if it doesn't happen, we'll adjust, adapt, improvise, overcome. And I think that's just really you're setting yourself up for a lot of um, disappointment if you if you just stubbornly just say like, oh, this is the way it's going to be, and I'm like. Well, your baby may really decide otherwise, and if you just stubbornly insist that that's what's happening, it's going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. Um, so now that we're done with the advice portion, uh, can you tell me about like the like what was the moment that you felt like 
you were just killing it as a dad. Like you, this is the moment where you're just like, I did it. I'm a good dad. I'm there. I'm. I can, can count myself among the John Goodmans of the world. Nice. Um. Good. Good example. There was a point where my wife wanted to go to a book club, just get out of the house for a few hours and just do something for her. It just wasn't anything crazy. And I, she, she mentioned, they're like, oh, like my book club wants to meet next week or whatever. And I just straight up told her, I was like, hey, I need you to go to that. And I'm going to watch her kid all by myself. And I didn't treat it like put me on a pedestal, give me a trophy, but mm-hmm. just like the confidence of being like, you're going to be gone for several hours. Yes, you'll be a phone call away if something really awful happens, but I had the, the fortitude to be like, no, I, I've been doing this now enough that I know the regular ins and outs, mm-hmm. and I will deal with what happens. Um, and that's, I think that was one of the first times I really felt like, yeah, yeah I'm doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm the dad. I'm, I'm doing it. The training wheels are off. I got it. Yeah, go fly. I got yeah. this. I got this. And then, you know, bonus, I got to do something cool for my wife where, uh, you know, she got to get out of the house and, and kind of escape just that all-encompassing um, space. Mm-hmm. And that, that was part of when I really felt good about that. Uh, you've mentioned your wife uh, a lot. Um, do is like, How do you make sure that like your relationship with your wife is still like paramount in your relationship? Work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's so easy to, when you don't have kids before you have kids to say like we're gonna do a regular date night and mm-hmm. we're gonna make time for us and that's noble and that's that's a good goal. Even just acknowledging that is probably the best is, is step one. But the reality is the first I, I truly think the first year it's just a lot of really intense care. Um, might be different if you're if you've got help, you know, in a really helpful really special way of like you know someone living with you or close family or something like that but for us it's just it's a very nuts and bolts back to basics you know survival mode right for a long time um what's worked for us is i, I look at the weekend as uh friday night and then saturday is two blocks morning and night and sunday is morning and night and so of those five, I try to tell her, you look at one of those, and I will do my very, very best to take the kids and either let you sleep in or, or go do something, you know, go read a book quietly in the other room, and, like, I'll be the on-parent in that block, mm-hmm. and you do whatever you want, right? It's it's not my time to decide. It's just, like, you time. And whatever you choose to do with that is, is cool. And then, the ideal, ideally, I get one of my own. Right. So if there's a guy's night or there's a kind of house rule if the Bengals are playing I get, you know, I get the TV yeah right she's, she's a Packers fan so we, I try to reciprocate yeah it's been that, that deal has worked out really well for me lately yeah <laughs> you get to watch a couple more games than she does this season I get it yeah so, so knowing that if we get to the weekend that we try to give each other a little block of time and that doesn't look as romantic as like we can't hold a dinner out um, it's, it's much more home based but mm-hmm. that's <clears throat> That's probably the, the most consistent thing we've been able to do, just, just in terms of working on a relationship. Some of the advice that I got prior to having a child, specifically for relationships, I was told the highs get higher, but the lows get lower. Do you mm-hmm. think you agree with that? 
Because I'm on the fence. I don't. I don't quite know if I do. I, that's something I'm still trying to figure out. If that's advice that I think was accurate, or if I'm still like mm, that, your mileage may vary depending on the relationship you have with the person you're having a child with. Right. I think I'm closer to to that take in terms of I don't think underlying our personalities and our relationship is remains fairly maintained. But I will I will give everyone the the, the grace to say that sleep deprivation makes everybody an angry troll. Yeah. Like you cannot. It's almost like being drunk. Like you cannot judge everybody by the same metric. When you're really really exhausted, I get so snappy, forgetful. And I just, I get in this part, I'm like, I don't care, don't ask me about this. I don't, I just want to survive until the next time where I get to close my eyes and not feel like I'm derelict, you know. Right, like you're, yeah, no, um, my, uh, I think between the two of us last night, uh, between my, my, my wife having to constantly getting up to pee or like adjust herself, like because the baby's moving around or like me, I'm off every Wednesday, but like me staying up way inevitably way too late um i think we may have gotten like between the two of us eight hours of sleep last night and this morning we both woke up and we're just like i don't want to do anything i don't want to talk to anyone don't speak to me in this like for the next four hours at least um so i very much like i can relate to that in a big way like sleep deprivation is my ultimate killer um so I'm going into having a cheat code and you might be too my wife has the patience of a saint having worked with children before i, I, I don't so, know where they get it man it's incredible it's a muscle and they've worked it more than we have so yeah <laughs> um, we, my wife and i've been together for a long time she can read me like a book so mm-hmm. when my when i'm starting to get stressed over you know the baby's crying and i'm just trying the same things that's not working she's really good about kind of swooping in and saying like hey i'll take him go take a five you're you're tapped out and i'm like but i she goes no no go, go get her just take a five um right so I, i'd like to think that i'm in that same boat for her but she doesn't, mm-hmm. she doesn't reach that point i don't know yeah. what it is moms are just incredible like this modern era of mom i know that like brad's wife is this way apparently your wife is this way like my wife seems to be one of the most caring people i know my sister is this way but they're always like these super women who can basically do everything i don't i don't get it um, I hope that one day us men can rise to that level of evolution, but until that day comes, I will rely on my wife. Um, so, I, And I think it looks differently for her, right? So like I said, when I'm losing my cool, I get short. Uh, I might say some ugly words or mm-hmm. not be as, you know, as tender as I should be. I think right. for her, it might look just like just pure exhaustion, right? Where she's like, just, just worn down. So... That can be part of it too. It's just understanding what that looks like in your partner and supporting them in the way that works best for them because it might not look the same for you mm-hmm. as it does for them. In those moments that you get a um, reprieve, for like a lack of a better word, uh, how do you find yourself? How is it easiest for you to decompress as a dad? I know you're a big hot yoga guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> hot goat uh, yoga. Hot goats is what takes it to the next level. Um, my my go-to is um, lately I've been watching I've been powering through TCM like I, I love watching old movies because they're slow there's no like laser blasts they're gonna wake up the kids um, I can kind of it's so slow paced that I can kind of stop and start it and I'll usually watch you know something on AFI's top 100 over the course of the week in little mm-hmm. 30 minute blocks 
but when I get a few minutes, I, um, I hit the DVR pretty hard. We're still like, we haven't cut the cord yet. Yeah. So I've got to, I, I would play video games, but it's hard, it's hard for me to start and stop at the same time. Yeah. So I'm, I like to watch movies and, um, Oh yeah, Citizen Kane. I got all week. Let's go. <laughs> Sometimes you have to wear the baby on my chest. It's annoying for everybody, right? Because it's just mellow. Right. They say, well, I sum this with our first. You know, there's a couple of months in the beginning where you don't really have to worry about what they hear, what they see, because they're not going to remember it. So, you know, we're listening to some pretty uh, offensive rap in the house, or we got a pretty offensive movie going on. You got a Tarantino movie or something going on. And you're holding a baby like, ah, oh, they're they're not going to remember this guy's ear getting cut off. But then, you know, they get a little older, and you're like, okay, I'm going to keep it down a little bit. And then yeah. you have your second, and it's like, well, I got two kids in the house now. Now I have to listen to everyone tells them themselves they're not going to be that parent that listens to quote-unquote the baby music you know i'm, I'm not going to play baby shark in my house well right. let's see how good that that theory holds when you have two kids right? mm-hmm. you can't play kendrick because the oldest one's old enough to use some of the words that he uses and you're like <laughs> yeah all right like guess we're doing baby shark just a little bit so. yeah hey um kendrick uh release a version of baby shark right I'm yeah <laughs> i would i would pay 12 dollars yeah. on itunes for that one song let's yeah. go uh, do you have like a favorite story about like your dad that you would like to share aside from sock wars or, um, quarter games, change game. Sorry. Change game. Like, back on the name. TM. <laughs> um, I, I feel like we had an awesome dad growing up. He was, he was, um, he's hardworking. He worked in a restaurant, you know, almost my whole life. And I remember, you know, later as we were kids, he took some different jobs and then, the situation changed and so maybe to an unhealthy degree I, I just think he worked super hard like I just never remember him taking a day off and I feel like I can respect that but also know that for me myself I don't want to necessarily get a perfect attendance award at work at the expense of spending time with my family and I and I say that understanding right he did that to put food on the table to pay right. the bills and stuff like that and that generational changes generational changes and i just, I just want to acknowledge that and be a part of that um and my dad did a good job of being present and and showing us the interest um i joked about thomas the tank engine that was something i was really into when i was a kid and i had a model train set yeah and i just remember he he'd be like hey you know we're going to work on this tonight and i was like cool just give me 30 minutes and I swear we're going to build an entire train world. Yeah. You know, tracks and bridges and everything like that. And he's like, mm, tonight we're going to focus on finding the right surface for this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, we've got so much to do. And he's like, well, let's go to the store. We'll go to the hobby store and maybe look for like, you know, something that looks the right kind of green and then we can make like a little road on it. And it just, as a kid, I was so amped up. Like, let's do it. Go, 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 go. And now looking back, I understand maybe some of that was just stretching it out and just really savoring just the fact that it took us probably a couple months to find all the right pieces we'd go to the store and be like oh they didn't have the right curved section of track that we were looking for right. so we can't finish it this time but instead let's go look at a new steam locomotive or whatever and i was like right. okay cool and so i think that was kind of a neat thing that it's kind of like those those quality moments with your dad 
Like yeah, like yeah. instead of like a flash in the pan of like yeah, I, we can just bang this out. This will take us a few hours and we can be done. It, yeah. it became this like long term project, almost like reading a chapter book. Um, right. Each night, and then ending on a cliffhanger, or at least just that we're like, sorry, that's all we have time for tonight. I'm gonna go mm-hmm. As a kid, you're like, Argh. but looking back, I'm like, man, that was cool though because it took us a little while to do that. Yeah. It ended up being a, a much much more fun project. Yeah. Uh, is there, a, like, a distinct way that you've noticed that, like, your parenting style is different from your parents? The thing that comes to mind is just I'm so much older than my parents were. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is for my wife, too. Both of our parents had three kids by the time I think they were, like, 22, something like that. And we didn't. I'm the youngest, and I was born when they were 22. You're right. Wow. Same, what, same, same for my wife with three kids. And then we, my, my wife and I, we didn't have our first until, like, our early 30s. So it was a whole, basically a whole decade different. Yeah. And that comes with some serious ups, good and bad, right? Because I feel like emotionally, we were much more stable. Financially, we were much more stable. We both. We both had careers. I would I would say we had careers at this point. Yeah. Um, but I feel every sleepless night in a way that I did when I was in college. I'm like, you know, I pull an all nighter, pop out of bed like a toaster, and be like, yeah, let's go kick some ass. I'm yeah, right. Let's bust some punks. Let's get it. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm like, like I'm counting minutes and being like, if I if I do this, it, it's I'm gonna pay for it at work tomorrow. And I I don't know that one is necessarily better than the other. Mm-hmm. But I definitely feel like our parents were young. Um, and I do that game in my head where I go like, okay, if we have another one, that's my age plus 18 is when they maybe go off to college. Will I be the typical age at their college orientation? Am I going to be some old man that's just like all gray? Right. Will I look good with like a salt and pepper beard? I hope so. Yeah. Um, you know, that kind of thing. And it's, um, and that influences how I look at other parents, my peer, you know, I, I go to work with other professionals yeah. and there's a, a spectrum of, I mean there's some people fresh out of college they're pretty they're now younger than me by a decent amount and there's some grizzled vets that have like their kids are out of college their their kids are my age mm-hmm. so i'm in the middle of that now but i'm just starting my family and whenever I, I meet a new young parent i'm like oh let's talk and then i find out like oh oh you're way younger than i am oh you're very different <laughs> yeah so there's things and you had a baby yeah there's things that, you know, there's common ground and there's things that we have, we can talk about, but then there's other things where I'm like, Oh, you, you don't have these things because you're just starting out. Whereas like, I can just, I can just take care of it. Yeah. Pros and cons, good and bad. But I, I, I tend to view that as, as a, an age thing. It's very much like, I like to judge it by like when I was growing up, the star Wars that were out were like the like original trilogy. And then like, my younger brother's generation, it's like, oh, you guys watch, like, the prequel trilogy. And then, like, yeah. my, like, nephews, it's like, oh, you guys watch the sequel trilogy. It's all, like, time can be measured in Star Wars. Yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about our kids growing up in the era of the Mandalorian. Because, like, that's pretty good. Book of Boba Fett. Not so, Not so great. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how it works out. It's the era of Pedro Pascal. How that? How's that? That's a lot better way of phrasing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm... That's one of my things. I um, like, I'm 31, and like, my wife is 
Younger than you? Younger than me. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yep. uh, I, I don't remember exactly, like, uh, how much younger than me, um, because math is hard. Um, and Brad saved me from a fight. Um, <laughs> but, like, I am 31. I'll be 32 by the time my kid is born. I'll be, they'll be, I'll be 50 when they're 18. So, it's like, oh, their high school graduation, I will be, like, like you said, I hope I look good with a salt and pepper beard. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is happening. Like, I'm noticing, like, throughout the day, I'm like, oh, my God. How long has that white hair been there? And it's, like, three inches long. I'm like, Jesus. Um, <laughs> growing out of my ear that's not just a hair in my ear yeah it's like it doesn't matter how how long like or how like often i clip my nose or trim my nose hairs at this time like um i think i i feel like at least a lot of my peers are following that more it's it's trending a lot later right you get married later you have kids a little later and it's almost like um like a, a demographic trend at this point so at least i feel like a lot of my peers, that's, that's more normal or that's more typical accepted. Um, so that helps a little bit. Although I, d- I don't want to shame anybody for having kids young or having kids late, right? Do whatever works best for you. And if if that's younger or older, great. I just hope you have a happy, healthy family. I, that sounds corny, but I, I mean that. I mean, I really do. Yeah. No. Uh, like that's one thing we hope for. Like everybody has a happy, healthy family, no matter what the kid like as. Yeah. As long as whether you're married, like, raising your kid on your own, it doesn't matter. Like, as long as your kid is getting, like, all the love and support that they need, that's really truly what matters. Sure. Um, I think that about wraps it up. Wraps it up. If there's anything else that you would like to add, um, feel free. Um, other than that, I think we're going to wrap this up. I got a quick delivery room story for you. It's not great. Yes. Yes, I love this. Um, I'm cards on the table i'm not i don't have a super strong stomach when it comes to like blood or bodily fluids and oh I me neither that. so this is good i knew that um and i try to prep for it so when we're in the when we're in the for my first born we're in the nurse the, the delivery prep room or whatever and I, I just told the nurse i said hey i'm the kind of person that might faint and i want you to know that because i don't want you to have to take care of another person that's not <clears> conscious and she's like hey like good for you for acknowledging that being upfront about that, I, I appreciate that. So she said, what we're going to do is we're going to position you just this way, where you're primarily looking at your wife, you're not necessarily focused on others. Um, don't lock your knees, that kind of thing. Um, somebody told me, somebody gave me a piece of advice that, to take like Jolly Ranchers, because it's like a little bit of sugar, mm-hmm. something to focus on, your, you know, for like lock jaw or whatever. Um, and I was like, okay, like I want to be there, I want to support, hold her hand, hold her leg, whatever. And then I was, I was going back and forth over whether or not to cut the cord. I was like, ooh, what if it's gross? What if it's weird? What if I pass out? Um, but in the moment, and it sounds so cliche, in the moments that those worries subsided and I was able to just be like, yeah, I'm the cheerleader. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch this happen. I watched everything and it was disgusting and amazing and awesome. And then they were like, okay, time for you to cut the cord. And I just, mm, got in there, one, two, chop. <laughs> It felt like the consistency of Twizzlers pulling peel with, like... God. Good. Good, ref. I like that. That was good. Um, yeah. And I'm glad that I did it, in part because, for my second baby, it all happened without me, right? They mm-hmm. whisked her away to emergency C-section, and I just got to see the end result. So, if I had 
whopped on that and just said like, oh, I'll try again later. I wouldn't have got the opportunity and I might not. So if you can, I would encourage dads listening to this, just be present and just do as much as you can. You find courage that you may not have if you're squeamish around bodily fluids like I am. Yeah. Um, and it, it wasn't scary. It was, it was wonderful and I'll never forget it. And good luck to all the dads out there. Nice. Awesome. Ryan, thanks for doing this. Um, that's it for this episode of High Podcasting. I'm Dad um, for myself and Brad. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Official Dadcast and on Spotify and literally anywhere that you can listen to podcasts at this point. Um, and other than that, um, where can if you want people to find you, guys, where can they find you? Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, <laughs> um, Ryan wouldn't even name his kids, so I doubt that he wants people to find him online. <laughs> exactly right. Um, if you really feel compelled to share something or ask me a question, you can reach out to these two handsome gentlemen or our hosts, and uh, I'll do my best when I'm not catching up on sleep to uh, to hit you back. So thank you so much for having me at a wonderful time. Yeah, uh, Ryan, you want to hit us with a dad joke? Oh yeah, how do you stop uh, um, charging Ryan? A charging what? A charging rhino. I don't know. You take away his credit card. Uh, <laughs> love it. That's a good one. All right, guys, that's it for this time. Thank you. Uh, so real quick, um, firing, firing from the hip just a little bit. You asked power ranking. Uh, Muppets, we got number one, Kermit, Goat. Number two, Gonzo. Uh, number three, Fozzie Bear. Number four, Bunsen, but not Beaker. Uh, don't at me and number five uh, Statler and Waldorf oh Statler and Waldorf come in at uh, both at number five got it okay okay Um, second one Ryan I want to ask you shamelessly stealing from another podcast they do something called OUFL stands for overrated underrated favorite least favorite OUFL hit me with an OUFL and Steven you're welcome to jump in on this as well Um, baby products what do you got overrated Diaper jeans. Just use use a regular trash can. Man, I'm happy I didn't spend money on that. Gotcha. Um, Underrated. We can can go around if you want to. Yeah. Underrated onesies with a zipper. Oh, good. Don't upper buttons. Just just use a zipper. Just use a zipper. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to deal with buttons at 2 a.m. Is it one of those things like, I know they have ones where you can like zip from the top or bottom. Yes, those are great. Got those it. are excellent. Get those. Got it. Because then when they have diapers that need changed or something that needs to You can just out, zip up the bottom. From, yep, you got it. Got it. Um, favorite toy for a baby? A uh, gallon freezer bag with dried pasta. Simple. Really? It, it rocks their world and you don't, like, take it anywhere. You can... In a pinch, you can eat it. I mean, just... Is it, like, so spaghetti pasta or, like, rotini? There's different noodles. It's rotini. rotini. Okay. All right, yeah. Don't be a fool, damn it. Come on. Get your head in the game. Yeah. Um, least favorites. A blippy. Ooh, okay. Whoa. Oh. No, Hot no, no, take. No, no, Change my mind. Kokomo. Okay. Oh, All right. yeah, no. Oh, hold on. Because when you said Blippy, I heard the B and just stopped listening because I thought you were going to say Bluey. And I was like, all right, cool. Hey, Brad, I need you to send me Ryan's address so I can fight him. (laughs) We're done here. I would watch that. I will and would and do watch that without my kid. Nice. Um, Favorite toy for a baby? Um, Gallon freezer bag with dried pasta. Yeah. 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 Ye
I thought Blippi was awful until I found other children's programming, and it's not that bad. Yeah, Coco Melon is ass. We are a podcast against Coco Melon. Good. No, that's, that's all I got. I just want to get your perspective on some baby stuff. I'm sad to hear you dish the diaper genie, though. I have, I have not quite a genie, but it's a dedicated diaper trash can. We were gifted a diaper genie, and I don't care to use it. Again, if you need to go, go. But like the whole thing I'm, I'm with is like you're locking yourself into an ecosystem because at that point you have to buy their brand of the right. little circular trash can rings. And mm-hmm. it's like, I'm out. Next time I'm going to get to the stores until two days. I need a trash bag now. Like If you just have a trash bag, that's fine. But I'm probably just going to lock bore the middle out of it and turn it into a diaper trash can. Oh, I, said, I said diaper genie was overrated, right? Yes, you did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a pail with a lid that's marketed as a diaper pail. It's just not the capital D, capital G, diaper genie. Yeah. Yeah, but no. The, the biggest piece I'm saying is that it needs to lock because eventually you're going to get a curious three-year-old who's like, oh, what's in here? Yeah. That's... Days then, old shit, literally. Literally days old shit. Literally days old shit, so. Yeah. And it uh, doesn't matter how hard you try. It's hard to get out of the carpet. Uh, and that, um, those same child locks. I don't know, Ryan, if you've had the same experience. Um, a lot of baby proofing stuff also works on older grandparents. Oh. Um, I have fielded a number of calls and text messages like, hey, how do you get your kitchen cabinets open? Uh, you have to press down on the spring and then open at the same time. Yeah. How does a diaper genie work? You have to twist the lock that says twist to unlock or... Literally you know. ask ask the other child. Yeah, it's like you're, the three-year-old will, will get it 100%. So yeah. No, no shame in that game because I fumbled with those stupid locks, the little plastic covers for your doorknobs. Oh, my they God. They make fools of us all, but, you know, it's yeah. part of the course. I'm in the phase right now uh, in the house of, like, our, our house is, like, almost 100 years old, so I'm, like, replacing all, like, the door hardware to, like, make sure that it actually locks into the door. Um, that's the that's the process that I'm in right now, and it is not fun. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it. No. <laughs> Nobody said that having a kid was going to be this much work. It's like, why did literally no one tell me that child rearing was going to be difficult? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Come on. Yeah. You had 31 years to let me know this was bad. What else you guys got? Anything? Um, I take the tip over stuff pretty seriously with, like, furniture. That's no joke. Don't, don't sleep on that. Are you a big, like, uh, mounting stuff to the wall guy? Yeah, so, yeah that's what I'm talking about. Like, the little brackets. Mm-hmm. Where some sort of heavy duty zip tie or something like that. I mean, yeah. It takes a few minutes, but when they start climbing, it's, yeah. just, it's such a such a preventable tragedy. And it's, there's nothing funny to say about that. It's just, let's do it. Anyone who says having a dog is not good preparation for having a child is lying. Having a dog's excellent preparation, mostly for baby proofing, I think. Especially your dog. Yeah, I have a lab, so yeah. kind of anything waist level or lower has kind of already been baby-proofed by having a dog. So. <laughs> Had to be. Yeah, that tail's gonna, gonna baby-proof better than you ever can. Right. Um, you guys know what I'm talking about when I say grippy hospital socks? Oh, yeah, yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, the grippy sock vacations. Yeah, I know like, exactly what you're talking I'm about. mentally unstable enough to know grippy ho- hospital socks. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, I have a pair in the laundry basket. 
for adults, they're just unisex and they're just shapeless, right? It's just like they don't yeah. fit on anyone's foot well. Mm-hmm. We got we got grippy kid, like toddler sized ones for my son, and I didn't realize how much it was helping him walk confidently until we gave him character socks that were not grippy and he wiped out instant. Oh God. Now he's he's since gotten better at it, but like he came running around the kitchen the first time and just beefed it. The grippy socks for kids are actually pretty decent. So do you have to wait until your kid acknowledges that they're okay to start laughing? Or is that like immediate, like they eat shit, you get to laugh? Um, I think laughing helps them understand it's okay if you treat it seriously. Got it. Love that. That's when the waterworks start and that's when you, then you're, then you're chasing the pain. You got to come back from it. And right. Like, I Got remember it. coaching soccer when I was a lot younger. I was in my mid-20s, and I coached soccer, and that, that taught me that lesson that when it get, a kid gets kicked in the face with a soccer ball, there's going to be a very crucial six or seven seconds where they look at you. For acknowledgement? look at you to know how to react to what just happened. Yeah, exactly. They've got, like, the front, like, the most sad face. Yep. And you're just like, ah, buddy, you're all right. Like, yeah. you're, you're very brave. Good for you. you. You took a ball right to the face, and you're good. Like, mm-hmm. get out there. Like a chance like a champ so could know. be worse kid Doesn't and it will get worse and as someone who within the last 18 months has also fallen because i wasn't wearing the right socks and bruised her rib like the, the struggle is real mm-hmm. yeah yeah i'm sure as i as soon as i sign off i want to think of some of the excellent stuff but you, know, you guys do a great job i like the questions I like cool. the format real casual and hopefully somebody gets something you know useful out of it I've gotten plenty out of this already, so. You should. You're the collector at this point. Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of like. Not only am I like the person who's going to use a lot of this information, but I'm like the collector, and then like just spreading it out to the rest of the universe. If I'm not giving myself too much credit. (laughs) And I, I gotta think it's entertaining for you having known Riley for so long. Just kind of like people tell us, like. You guys lived apart for a long time, but you're still kind of the same person. You have a lot of same interests and stuff, so... The overlap is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you guys are... The Venn diagram, it's very much most mostly just the middle circle. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's like most of the middle circle, and then, like, the two little outside parts. Yeah, that. Uh, he's my older brother. I'll take it as a compliment. As you should. Ryan, you may want to take it as an insult. We're not sure yet. No, uh, no I take it as an insult. Yeah. Yeah, I can't think of anything else glaring. Cool. Um, also, um, update. I haven't put this like publicly yet. Uh, I am opening this po- podcast up to moms as well. Um, to have on. Uh, I think my sister will be the first one in like a week or probably about a month. Is it a so. companion podcast, like Hi, Hi Podcast with Me Mom, or is it still the same format? Still f- same format. Um, we're just changing the questions from mom or from dad to mom. <laughs> Control F. Yeah, uh, and it, it may. I th- think the ones with moms may be a little bit more focused because I think my my sister plans on talking a lot. Uh, she struggled a lot with like postpartum in her second pregnancy, um, so I think she's probably going to focus on that a lot. So. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious if you're just going to invite women to talk about their husbands. Yeah, be like, hey, so how awesome is your husband? <laughs> Tell me about the challenges facing dads. Yeah. From Tell a me... mom's perspective. Yeah, from a mom's Which, perspective. I, mean, I think there's that's fruit to be picked. That's not, that's, I say that jokingly, but if, if you're really trying to build a space where 
we're talking about men's issues, dad's issues, and things like that. There, the female perspective, the mom perspective, could be a really interesting area. That's not. That's actually really. Yeah, I actually never really thought about that, but I do think it is smart to talk about like, hey, how do you see like, you see your husband, significant other, whatever, struggling with this, like what do you do in that situation? Like, how do you react to that? Like, yeah. Ask women if you, if you see a guy all by himself at the park, is it weird to you? Like, do you think, oh, that dude's a creep or weirdo? Or is it like, no, thank God he's... Oh, this guy's remember. involved with his kid. Yeah. Yeah. I'm here for it. Yeah. Just off the top of my head, yeah. Yo, I like that. Yeah, just right off the dome. You, I've noticed, uh, Ryan, you have hair, like, it's curly, but it's much more like your dad's. Oh. This, is, this is in the intermediate stage. Um, my, yeah, I, when I grew up, especially during the pandemic, I just didn't cut my hair for two years, and I look like Richard Simmons. It's, it's <laughs> much Ohio State grad Richard Simmons. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's that's Big Ten. We take those. Yeah, we take those. We take the W's where we can get them right now. If this part of the conversation shows up in the final edit, and you want to dig up a picture, or you, if you can't find one, reach out to me. I'll send one to you. Of. If Bradley doesn't supply you one, then you can put that up on the screen and be like, this this guy. Yeah, Richard Simmons, yeah. Because I don't actually know how many people who listen to this podcast will know who Richard Simmons is. Yeah, that's that's kind of a pull for anyone under 30. Yeah, I, was, yeah. I think the last thing I saw him in was in The Nutty Professor, so. Bob Ross? Bob Ross. People should know Bob Ross. They should. Uh, they should. Well, I, I talked to someone born in the 2000s, maybe a year or two ago, and they didn't know who the Foo Fighters were, so maybe maybe pull it up a couple years. The Foo Fighters? Yeah. There's... I was like, you know, Dave Grohl, and he's like, I'm sorry, who? Has Hold on. From the Foo Fighters? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> the Foo Fighters, like, I thought were still relevant. Yep. I, I For a brief moment, I'm like, I'm just going to midsummer right off the cliff. Just yeah, right just the rock. I'm done. face first. <laughs> Uh, that Dave Grohl is my um big get. If we ever get Dave Grohl on the podcast, I will know that we've like made it, made it. <laughs> really thought you were gonna end that sentence with my all pass. Yeah. Oh, also, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you can it. it can be Dave, both. Uh, I have a question to start off the podcast. Is someone getting the best? The best. The, the best, best of you. you. <laughs> all right, I'm not doing this. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Every one of the questions is just a Foo Fighters reference. Exactly. <clears throat> All right, gentlemen. 